Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the novel, The Long Goodbye. The Long Goodbye is a detective story featuring the character Philip Marlowe, a private investigator. Marlowe happens to meet a well-mannered alcoholic, and the two men develop a sincere and touching friendship. However, Marlowe's alcoholic friend takes his own life, and Marlowe suspects that this desperate act is connected to a murder. Having placed his trust in his friend, Marlowe is determined to discover the truth. However, trouble stalks him relentlessly as he pursues his investigation. While he is occupied with another case, the truth about the murder emerges, and, finally, when this issue seems to have been put to rest, the drunkard, supposedly long dead, reappears. Raymond Chandler is one of the greatest writers in the history of American literature. He was voted number one on the Mystery Writers of America, MWA, list of the best writers in 150 years of detective fiction. He is best known for his hard-boiled detective stories. These have made him one of the few whodunit authors whose books have been acknowledged as literary classics. He is also a literary idol, celebrated by magisterial figures, such as Albert Camus, William Somerset Maugham, Thomas Stearns Eliot, Eugene O'Neill, Winston Hugh Auden, and Haruki Murakami. The Long Goodbye is Raymond Chandler's definitive work. Haruki Murakami, the famous Japanese writer and translator of all Chandler's works into Japanese, ranks The Long Goodbye among the top three novels that have meant the most to him. Director Billy Wilder commented that with Raymond Chandler, there was lightning on every page. The Times has praised Chandler, saying, he has struck a literary gold mine by writing commonplace detective stories. In The Long Goodbye Chandler's style is, summed up by an adjective that bears his name, Chandler-esque, a tough realism that countless imitators have attempted to adopt. Next, we will discuss four aspects of the novel, plot, theme, protagonist's imagery, and writing style. Part 1, A Case. Part 2, A Goodbye. Part 3, A Detective. Part 4, A Writer. Part 1, A Case. One night outside a club, private investigator Philip Marlowe bumps into a man. Marlowe witnesses the man being thrown out of a car by a beautiful young woman and subsequently taunted by the attendant of the parking lot. The man is obviously very drunk. Marlowe picks him up and takes him back home to rest at his place. From this meeting, the two men get acquainted and become friends. The drunken man's name is Terry Lennox. He has white hair, and the right side of his young face is unusually stiff and pale. His skin is marked with scars, like sticks. Despite his drunken stupor, he is unfailingly polite, or, in Marlowe's words, whatever he didn't have, he had manners. Marlowe knows from experience not to mess with drunks. Nevertheless, he offers Terry help. He says that something about something in Terry moves him. When Terry sobers up, Marlowe dispatches him safely back to his own apartment. At first, Marlowe thinks that will be the end of it. He doesn't expect to meet Terry again, but pretty soon, he encounters him, drunk in the street. And, once again, Marlowe delivers him back home. Later, in their conversation, Terry explains that he is preparing to go to Las Vegas, meet up with an old comrade, and work for him. Marlowe offers money to help him get away. 
Shortly afterwards, Marlo receives a phone call from Sylvia Lennox, Terry's ex-wife, the beautiful woman who left Terry the other night outside the club. Marlo tells her where he has gone, and she pursues Terry to Las Vegas. A little more than a month later, Marlo receives Terry's $100 check to repay him. The check comes with a thank you note and informs Marlo that Sylvia and Terry have remarried. Later Marlo picks up a newspaper and reads that Sylvia is the youngest daughter of Harlan Potter, a millionaire. One evening a few months later, Terry turns up at Marlo's place, and the two go to a bar called Victor's for Gimlet's, a gin and lime cocktail. From that day on, Terry has the habit of visiting at around 5 o'clock. He carries on like this for nearly two months. During his last drink with Marlo, Terry laments his weaknesses, Sylvia's debauchery, and his father-in-law's resentment of her. Marlo feels that Terry complains too much. He is annoyed, and they'd part on bad terms. Marlo doesn't see Terry again for over a month. Not until he suddenly shows up one morning early, in a panic, and carrying a gun. He asks Marlo to drive him to the airport. Marlo knows something is up, but he doesn't want an explanation, and he curtails Terry's attempt to explain on their way to the airport. As they say goodbye, Marlo tells Terry that he trusts him. After watching Terry leave, Marlo drives home. When he arrives, he finds the police are waiting for him. They inform him that Sylvia has been murdered. Her face pummeled beyond recognition. The murder weapon was a small statuette. Terry has absconded, and they are trying to find his whereabouts. Marlowe is taken to the police station. At the behest of Harlem Potter, Sylvia's father, the police intimidate Marlowe with threats. They beat him, spit, and throw coffee over him. They want information, but it is of no use. Marlowe is loyal to his friend. Marlowe imagines he will have a long battle with the police, but they don't persist and quickly declare that the case is closed. Having tracked Terry to Otataclan, they release Marlowe. However, the police find Terry has killed himself. Beside his dead body is a written confession to the murder. Everyone is satisfied with this neat outcome. The case is straightforward. Terry was the killer. Even if he wasn't, a dead man is a perfect scapegoat. However, is Terry the murderer? What if someone staged his suicide? Such considerations do not trouble the police and the court. They want a simple solution and to get the case wrapped up quickly. Everyone is satisfied, except for Marlowe. When Marlowe arrives back home the following morning, the doorbell sounds, and the phone starts ringing at the same time. The voice on the phone is a lawyer. He tells Marlowe to leave the matter alone. At the door is Mandy Menendez, the boss of a group of mobsters. He has come personally to warn Marlowe to let Terry rest in peace. The next thing that happens is Marlo receives a letter from Mexico. It's a farewell note from Terry, and it comes with a $5,000 bill. In the letter, Terry says that he is being watched, but he intends to make sure his letter is delivered to the mailbox. Terry apparently succeeded in getting the letter dispatched, and now it is in Marlo's hands. Terry writes that he may have murdered in the past, but he didn't bash Sylvia's face in. As Marlo predicted, Terry is not capable of such cruel violence. Terry says he is fed up with his life. Learning the truth doesn't matter to him anymore, and he hopes that Marlo will drop his curiosity too. He wants Marlo to do two things for him, drink a gimlet, 
and make him a cup of coffee with bourbon with a lighted cigarette put on the side, as he did on the morning that they parted. He suggests Marlowe forget about him, forget about all of it. The dust stirred up around the murder seems to have settled. Marlowe makes the coffee and lights the cigarette, however that night he can't sleep. The next day, a new case comes to Marlowe. The client is a beautiful and blonde-haired woman. Her name is Eileen Wade. Her husband, Roger, is a writer, and she has come to Marlowe on his behalf. It turns out that Roger has a drinking problem, and when he drinks, he becomes unhinged. Lately, he's been drinking more heavily than ever, and she thinks something has been bothering him. Eileen wants Marlowe to make sure Roger doesn't lose his mind completely through drinking before he finishes his new book. Marlowe refuses. He's not a doctor, after all. However, the next morning, Eileen returns to ask Marlowe's help again. She reveals that Roger has actually been missing for three days. She hopes that Marlowe can help find him. Marlowe accepts this commission, and after a difficult investigation, he finally brings Roger back home. Afterwards, the couple becomes a presence in Marlowe's life. One night, Roger calls Marlowe. He says he's in a bad way and asks Marlowe to come over. Arriving at Roger's house, Marlowe finds Eileen standing calmly in the doorway. Roger lies drunkenly nearby in the shadow of a hibiscus bush, he has a wound on his head, sticky with blood. Marlowe puts Roger to bed and calls a doctor to see to the wound. Marlowe gives Roger some medicine to help him sleep. Before he rests Roger asks Marlowe to get rid of some writing he doesn't want Eileen to see. Marlowe goes over to the typewriter to fulfill Roger's request. Later, Marlowe reads the passages Roger wanted to keep secret. One of the sentences catches Marlowe's attention, a good man died for me once. Marlowe's subsequent investigation uncovers the fact that Roger was formerly Sylvia's lover. A few days later, Marlowe visits Roger. He asks him what the remark meant, but Roger is evasive. He says that it was just drunken drivel. Needless to say, Marlowe doesn't believe him. He has a hunch that Roger is inclined to bouts of drunken madness and, with it, memory loss. He feels it is not unlikely that Roger got drunk on a date with Sylvia, beat her to death, and then couldn't remember what had happened. Could this be the source of Roger's anguish? Marlowe fears it is the truth. When Marlowe raises the topic with Roger, he quickly becomes agitated, starts drinking, becomes aggressive, and tries to kick Marlowe out. Roger and Marlowe are alone in the house while they have this confrontational talk. Eileen is out shopping, and it is the servant's day off. Finally, Roger gets so drunk that he passes out. Then, Marlowe worries about leaving Roger in the house alone in such a state. He sits on the patio and waits for someone from the household to come back, hearing the deafening rumble of speedboats on the lake. Before long, he hears a knock at the door. It is Eileen who forgot her key. Once through the door, she asks Marlowe to join her to go out for tea. Marlowe agrees. Before they depart, he goes to check on Roger and finds the drunk lying dead, his own gun beside a pool of blood. His body is still warm. The police are quick to conclude that Roger had committed suicide. The sound of shots must have been drowned out by the noise of the speedboats. Marlowe senses that something is amiss. Roger was a writer, always using his typewriter. 
If he had decided to kill himself, wouldn't he have left a note? Something is off with Eileen as well. Why did she forget her keys on a day when the servants were not at work? Doubting the affair was so straightforward, Marlowe focuses an investigation on Eileen. Marlowe is reminded of a key piece of information he inadvertently uncovered. That Terry once used to call himself Paul Marston. When he was using this name, he had been seen in England with a woman, his first wife. At that time, he wore a British military badge. Marlowe checks the marriage records and finds the wife's name was Eileen. Eileen had told Marlowe that she had a dead lover, it must have been Terry. It was suspicious that Eileen had been hiding this relationship. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now. Dir hat dieser Podcast gefallen? Dann klicke jetzt auf Abonnieren und empfehle ihn weiter. Bleib immer auf dem Laufenden und folge uns bei Twitter, Instagram und Facebook. Mehr Podcasts findest du auf meinpodcast.de.